Hello and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight is Josh Cacho here to celebrate the Supporter Shield win over the Portland Timbers. Josh, how you doing? I mean, another season, another trophy. I mean, it. it after it feels like so long ago that we came off the catharsis of winning that first Shield to now kind of relive that moment again you know i was driving back in the car trying to pay attention to the road while simultaneously listening and listening into the broadcast and uh yeah you know it's hard not to be excited it's hard not to um you know to kind of just revel in how you know like to kind of shut off the the an, the analytical portion of my brain that wants to pick apart everything and truly just enjoy it as a fan and to enjoy that experience of what the season as a whole has looked like, right? Which has just been from, obviously you have your your hiccups here and there, but at the same time, I think in hindsight, when you look at the totality of the entire season, right? It, it's not like it wasn't, you know, like I'm, I'm okay with when it happened. I'm okay with some of the things that have, you know, the ups and the downs that, that occurred, <clears throat> especially if it leads ultimately to an MLS Cup, right? Which is still... Still, the ultimate goal. What's that saying? Like, job's not finished, right? We're, 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 we're heading in the right direction, but obviously, there's still another, you know, another goal in mind. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think you hit on something really important there. That it's not, um, that it is okay to stop and smell the roses sometimes, and just celebrate the fact that, yeah, this team won the shield, uh, the wire to wire trophy. Yeah, the one that you get for uh, outplaying everybody for a long time uh and i i out of if you catch either of us in an honest moment we'll both tell you that this is um the more prestigious award maybe i don't know if i have the i can't quite put my finger on which is more prestigious and which is more important i think i might actually have that backwards mls cup is more prestigious because that's yeah that's the actual championship i think you and I would both argue that this is the more important award because it shows that what you're doing actually works and it works a week in and week out. Yeah. And even though they stumble for five or six weeks there during a compacted schedule and injuries and working new guys in, um, they're able to put it back together in time and clinch, uh, with the game to go. So uh, it's an incredible feat. Two in four years, two in their first five years, when you think about that and you think about what the other expansion teams have done, uh, Josh, only one team has won more hardware in their expansion year than LAFC, as far as I know. Atlanta? Seattle. I was thinking Cincy. With oh, their three the wooden, wooden spoons. spoons. <laughs> <laughs> so, other direction. Atlanta Atlanta might have us. Because uh, they, had, they had a cup. I mean, I guess they won MLS Cup and then they won... The Campiones or one of those things. Like yeah, that. so I don't know. Does, did they win an Open Cup too? No, I don't believe so. Okay. <sighs> hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, two supporter shields uh, in their first five years is is nothing to um, is nothing to belittle. It's nothing to play down at all. I mean, it's incredible that you have you go out there and the first time you win it, you set records for the best. Uh, the best point total in, in league history. And it's only broken during a weird COVID year by revolution when they beat up on a poor Eastern conference for most of their schedule. So uh, in, in many ways you still have the best MLS season, even if it doesn't reflect in the record books that way. And then you come out and Steve Chirundolo in his first year as the coach um, Wins the supporters. I mean, that in itself is an accomplishment. Most wins by a first-year coach uh, with twenty-one, and uh, and the fact that there's still te- there's still room for this team to grow, right? Uh, because I, everything that they did earlier on in the year was very repeatable, and then they kind of stumbled after the transfer window closed for, like we said, four or five weeks. So it seems like there's still room for growth next year if they, if they want that, um, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because again, I think one of the things, the biggest criticism we had about this team over the last couple of months, right. Was that they, we, we almost felt that they left it too late to finish up 
you know, to to make the moves that they did, mm-hmm. right? And and was it going to take too long to gel to be ready for the playoffs, right? We kind of saw this with the inclusion of Brian Rodriguez in that 2019 season, where right? it's like he never quite hit his stride. And when they needed him to be a game changer, he wasn't quite there, right? Yeah. There was other factors going in there, right? In the sense that he didn't quite fit with Diego Rossi, right? Like in, in terms of like, the three of those guys just weren't a great fit versus with the with the current front three that we have they all this this group of front three this front three is probably the best complementing pieces they're all, all very unique of, yes in, term, in terms of their skill set right where you have a guy that you know you have a guy that will make the hard charging runs you have a guy that is the 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 finisher and then you have a guy who can sew it all together, mm-hmm. right? And so it 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 just needed time to settle, and that was what we were worried that we didn't necessarily have time for, or or were they going because of the presence of a Gareth Bale? Were you going to have to work in another guy into that starting lineup, um, which would have made it even in, even more difficult feat to kind of put it all together, but. You know, for whatever reason, you know, and maybe this is the presence of guys like Chiellini on the roster or just a more mature group as a whole, right, in terms of the players that they have and the points at which they are all at in their careers where you can kind of say, you know, when you when you kind of look at it, guys are willing to buy in for the overall goal of winning, you know, winning a championship here, you know, like in whatever that may take. Um you know, because again, you know, like we're into this point and you don't hear discontent from your quote unquote DP in tail, right? For for not getting a ton of burn over the last couple games or whatever, right? You know, like you don't hear those those different things coming up, right? You you know, obviously Tao did play, I think, yesterday, but again it's more in, in garbage time than anything else, right? And Gareth Bale hasn't become a problem from a chemistry standpoint, right? Everyone, all the pieces that you've that you've brought in have been extremely professional and mature about what this looks like. And again, and it's probably largely due to where they're at in their careers, right? It's not like you're you you have a Brian Brian Rodriguez who needs to put himself in the shop window. Right for a bigger move or whatever right. it may be. So I think it's just again understanding understanding what it takes to truly build a championship roster. You know, again, it is not necessarily one, you know, that you're going to be able to sell for, you know, thirty million dollars and 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 you know, have this selling club, right? Which is I I feel like they were trying to they're trying really hard to balance that over the last couple of years. This year, it feels like they put kind of pushed all their chips to the table, understanding that their window is closing with Carlos Vela, and it's something you kind of just have to do. Yeah, I, I, I do think that they've settled into something here. You talked about the front three complementing each other, and uh, it is a little bit odd that Gareth Bale's on the outside looking in, but it's clearly the right choice, right? He's he's doesn't have it in his legs I don't think right now uh, and maybe maybe that's something where if he goes through a full preseason next year then that's not a problem whatever it is it's not a problem for now yeah Bowanga's ready to play um Vela and Chicho are, are have gelled right uh that that partnership looks solid um and you just make the push now and you do have all those attacking pieces to come off the bench if you need them uh and give you I think very different looks. I think Teo and, and, and Bale offer something similar, a little more finesse, right? Um, Opoku's going to give you hard, hard minutes uh, and his breakneck pace. Um, so I, I think in terms of the attack, you have exactly what you need. I, I think there's still questions in the midfield. There's just nobody surprised. I think uh, your back line is, uh, has been good all year and we'll find out uh, how it, how it fares in the playoffs. Um, the good, I think the best news for LAFC is that they get to play at home. And this year has really been, 
you know, they've really relied on home games to make up lost ground. And, and that was one of the problems when they were slumping is that they were on the road so much and not able to come back home and get their, get their heads back on straight. And it seems like that for this team, for whatever reason, um, is an important dynamic. I'm not really sure exactly why. I mean, it's not, it's not like it's unique. There are plenty of teams in every sport that need to be at home to, to have things look right. Um, so it's not like it's a unique problem, but at least interesting. So the fact that they get to have home games all the way through, uh, is important and hopefully, uh, they don't put up any, any shockers early in the playoffs and they are able to, to take it all the way, um, to MLS cup. Cause I mean, I mean, you'd have to, you have to like their chances at home in an MLS cup, right? Yeah. Uh, the bank would be crumbling to the ground, right? <laughs> you have to imagine that it would be one of the best atmospheres the league has ever seen to host an MLS cup there at that stadium. Absolutely. I mean, I, let's, let's not forget that our best player thrives when he's most comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like say what you will about Carlos Vela, but the guy when he, when he's in these moments where he's, where he's comfortable on in from multiple facets, right. Whether it's from a living perspective, whether it's from a playing perspective, you know, like that's when he thrives when he can just kind of do his thing and not really worry about anything else. Right. And I think that, that, that does, Play into things a little bit in terms of his, you know, him just being from, you know, being around, you know, being, being able to be around his family, being able to, you know, understand how this, the field is going to play, all those different things. See, like, those are some of those things, are obviously, the basics, you know, the basic, um, you know, home field advantages, right, in terms of understanding how your play, your field plays. But at the same time, I think it's just one of those things where it's like, from a mental standpoint, right, to know that you're coming into the fortress that is the bank, right, it is, yeah. is just going to be a boost, right? And I think, um, you know, again, and you don't have, when you look up and down the rest of the playoff contenders, I don't see that that veteran team like a Seattle that's going to be able, you know, again, like knock on wood, right? But I mean, I, I mm-hmm. don't see that, that team that that feels like they can come in there and play their game, right? Like most of most of the league, most of the teams that you're going to see come into the bank are going to be playing on on their back foot as opposed to on their front foot. Yeah, you know, yeah. again, just because of the nature of 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 how the bank, you know, the atmosphere, as well as just you know who you're coming up against in that stadium. Um, you know, like I said, Seattle would have been the one team that I'd be like, oh, you know. Yeah, like they've been there a hundred times, already given you plenty of grief in the postseason. Yeah. Right. They've been there, done that before, versus when you look at the rest of the the playoff teams, I don't really see who that other person may be. And I just don't see that that veteran team that is going to feel confident coming into into our house and, and, mm-hmm. and playing their own game, right? I, I see a lot of teams that are are going to be more on their back foot. They're going to, you know, want to defend more, right? Like they're going to bunker in and, and you know, like the Portlands of the world, right? They're going to be more anti-football than anything else. Um, you know, even on the Eastern Conference side of things, you know, like, you know, maybe Philly. But even then Philly, like I said, they're, they are green, right? You saw in a big moment how they kind of look this year, right? Like that's Well, that's the, a couple, that's a couple poor results for them in a row too. Yeah. So I have to imagine alarm bells are ringing over on their side that they even make it to MLS Cup. Not that they're not capable. I mean, that team was on an absolute tear through the league. So it, they could easily flip that switch and go back to scoring four or five in a game. But I think you are right. They're they're the one that's going to want to be a protagonist in the game. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the, the makeup of the team... Super young, yeah. Right? doesn't always doesn't always provide that you know it doesn't give me hope that they're going to they're going to be want to be super progressive in in terms of how they approach the game as opposed to like i said like a, a that 
veteran Seattle team that came into the bank after we beat the yeah. Galaxy and, and yeah. you know it's definitely not the same, right? And I mean the only other one would be NYCFC who new coach, no Tati, right? Yeah. Like that's Orlando looked really strong at the beginning of the season and they've kind of faltered down the down the stretch. So mm-hmm. it is hard to look at who uh, who would, I mean, Austin, Austin's still the one I think that is out there that could really give you trouble based on yeah. how we've played them and this they've, year. I mean, they've come and they came in and, you know, I think what they beat us two nil and then beat us, whooped us at their place. Yeah. Right. But yeah. again, I think the times at which they caught LAFC were not good times. Right? Yeah. Not yeah. to say that, not to say that we're going to, we can forecast that we're going to be in a perfect, in a perfect position heading into the next game, right? Like, right, right. Could have, would have, should have, you know, you still need to play, but at the same time, you know, that, the, the one, you know, missing Ilya in one game. And then, you know, the other one, they came in and it wasn't the, the LAFC's current team. Isn't what it was the first time they came, the first time. Yeah. And that was in their first slump back in May when you and I were talking about, Hey, there are some. There are a few depth issue, issues that are at play here that are going to plague them. Yeah, and they got they got it together in June after that international break, but they didn't address those needs still. So uh, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens in you know the the three post game uh, or postseason games that that they end up playing. Um, they certainly have all the quality and. I would argue experience at this point to to do it right. If you can take it down to the last eighteen minutes in CCL, you can do it in MLS. Absolutely. Yeah, like that's, and again, the last eighteen minutes in CCL with a team that wasn't nearly as good as the one that they have. Yeah. This time no like, Edward Atuesta in that game either. Right. Yeah. So and we I mean, had there's... Jakovic starting at center back I believe, <laughs> at some point in CCL. <laughs> right. So I mean, you know the that's why it's like when you when you it really comes about to who, you know, form and, and, and peaking at the right time. Right. Which yeah. Yeah. again, that's why it's like, okay, I, they're not, they didn't peak early. They've kind of just been kind of riding, riding the wave of, of success, you know, like earlier in the season and they had their little fall off, but again, they kind of left themselves a whole month to figure it out. And this team seems to th- thrive off a of break. Yeah. Right in a weird yeah. way, which usually with some of these teams, like oh man, that that international break's gonna hurt them. This time off is gonna hurt them. They're gonna lose their form. It seems like for whatever reason, this team is invigorated coming off the break because it can it gives them a little bit more practice time to just continue to put yeah. it all together. Because mm-hmm. you know, again, each international break has provided a boost. LAFC. Yeah, less so less so much because again i think it gives kind of just gives everyone a moment to kind of settle in and then those few those few games before everyone kind of comes or those few training matches you know extra training matches without a game yeah really lend something to those guys in terms of just more time together right and then that and again with a team that has this much talent ability time is what you got to have to figure it all to put it all together right so i think i think if i'm hearing you correctly and understanding what you're saying, you were saying that Kellen Acosta is more Greg Berhalter proof than Walker Zimmerman was, and so oh, LAFC is in good shape. Yeah, because he hasn't he's not on the field, <laughs> right? Acosta is on there to 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 clean up the mess after that he's left yeah. left out there. Yeah. Um, Dude, Acosta balled out. He balled out against Portland. Yeah, like, that game was incredible from him in a game where he had to because Sifu was not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, a costume. I mean, Sifu was playing was 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 doing his normal like fourth fourth forward thing. You know, like you see him pushing up into the channels and those. Yeah, yeah. And so Acosta's your is your shuttler, mm-hmm. but that's always been his best role. Like yeah. when he was in Portland, I mean, not Portland in Colorado, when they were playing that four four two diamond, and he was like on the right side of that diamond. Mm-hmm. I I think that's where he made his resurgence after getting hurt in in Dallas. Yeah, but even in Dallas, it, it he was like at the base. He was like it wasn't a true six. He was like a, in a double hood. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's what Klinsman brought him into play too, because Klinsman used to play. I mean, Klinsman played all kinds of different formations, and that's what got him in trouble, right? Uh, we went from a coach who never even thought about a system to like the robot in Greg Berhalter, but 
Um, I think Klinsman originally brought him in and had him shuttling as an eight in a diamond as well, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Yeah, because Might again, have been he, ten, but because he know. just has those qualities to be able to, and and again, just soccer IQ in terms of just being able to yeah. know when to go, when to stay, when to flatten out. Like again, he he is that guy that kind of get his same thing with Ilya, right? Their their stats will never jump off the page. But they do so many good things well that it it provides such a stable platform for everyone else to do the thing. Do yeah, their thing. yeah, right, right. So you're like, you look at their numbers, you're like, what, what, what are they actually good at? And then yeah. you look at everyone around them on their, you know, like when they play in those particular positions, they just make everyone so much better, yeah. right? Um, you know, again, and that's the same. You know, like I think when when Ilya first signed, right, it was. It, it seemed like everyone was underwhelmed with the signing. You know, like yeah. my yeah. only question was whether or not he still had the legs, not necessarily whether he was going to fit. I'm like, okay, if there's ever a guy that would you, you know, and again, I think the one thing that I called for was just a ton more of veteran MLS guys. Like again, yeah. I've been missing beta shore for the longest, but then you, you, you know, you lose some of the guys that you brought in, but you bring in an Acosta, you bring in a Hollingshead, you bring in, you know, an Ilié, and those guys have seen it all over the over the course of their careers, right? Yeah, failure, success, all of it, right? And so I think they're it's the perfect foundation for which your big name guys can now thrive. Right? Yeah, and I think that's the that's the moral of the story here in terms of how how it's all kind of come together. Right? In terms as you see guy you know so much turnover in the span of like that summer window yet this team now has seemingly righted the ship right they look good early then when you know then kind of falter a little bit when you don't have that continued practice time and then now like i said coming off the break and now having clinched home you know home field throughout yeah. you know again i think that just continues to bode well yeah yeah all right, man. Well, let's talk about the Portland match. Um, and not really any surprises in the in the starting eleven, right? I mean, I guess you could say Chiellini not starting and Segura being in is is a bit of a surprise based on uh, based on the fact that Chiellini has started so many games since he's come on board. I think it's probably a turf thing, yeah, right, where you don't you don't want him playing all those minutes on turf going into the playoffs. It's just not worth the risk. Um, so Segura comes in and, but that's, a, I mean, that's a luxury that LAFC has, right? Where you have three starting center backs that no matter what combination you throw out there, you're fine, right? Segura, Chiellini, Murillo, you're good no matter what the, what the pairing is. Um, Hollingshead is in for Escobar because he's got a head injury, but I mean, down the stretch, Hollingshead is the one that's uh, in form and looking like the guy that you want to have on the field all the time, not only because he's scoring goals, but because it seems like the instability of that position over the course of the season has led to problems mm-hmm. with the back line. So just mm-hmm. let them ride it out. I think if Escobar even comes back uh, <clears throat> this week, you don't, you don't play him. Right. Or you, you know, you go 60, 30 with him just to give him 30 minutes. So he's a little bit ready for the playoffs, but I think, I think it's Hollingshead's job from here on out for the rest yeah. of the season. And it, it, it makes sense, like I said, even even given their skill set, you know, I'm I'm you know again, I think the one thing that kind of scares you is some of the defending things, but he's looked a lot better as of late, right? I think it's just yeah, felt like it's a matter of time, you know. And especially yeah, I now. feel like I feel like with him, it was always just like if you just let him play in that spot for a while, he's going to be okay, right? We did a big thing on you know like him moving back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and how it did cause problems. They scored like we had more goals created when he was on the right side as opposed to the left. Um, but just let the guy play the position and build some relationships with uh, Mario and the guys around him. Yeah. Let them, let that back line play together and they'll be fine. Well, and he's definitely not left footed playing on the right hand side, which we yeah. found out in a very yeah. strange way. So, <laughs> right. right. Um, so yeah, it's starting 11, right? Portland comes out they play the way that they do. They're packed in. LAFC have plenty of the ball. Um, they look dangerous early on, right? They, they're a couple big-time chances. Boanga, 
uh, misses one of the finishes, plays a plays an aerial cross when it should have been on the deck to Chicho, and he he airmails it right over his head, and so that's leading us to think like, all right, this guy really needs to put it together because he's always in a good spot, and he like we just need the right decision, the right finish, whatever. We'll get more to on how he fixed that. Um, what I noticed a lot in that match was LAFC flipping the full. Uh, pushing the fullbacks up higher. So like we've like you and I have talked about the, yeah. the fullbacks are often so high that you can't play that, uh, that second line pass around pressure because they're too high. The angle's gone from the center backs. And so what they were doing is pulling a, pulling a midfielder, Sifu or Acosta back into that space so they could have Palacios and Hollingshead up further. Um, and I felt like that did a good job. One of the things that Portland was doing was, was switching over the top and, and attacking that way on, on counterattacks, really targeting Hollingshead. So giving him a bit of cover and Palacios for that matter, uh, with the midfielders there, I thought was a, a good way to get around it. So a clever little, uh, piece of tactics from, uh, from Toronto, Chirondolo, excuse me. Yeah. I mean, again, I think the, the best is like the greatest sign that we could have received as fans right head in you know heading into the into the playoffs right where it's just you needed to see that okay one did they have time to learn how to play together and two now that they've learned to, now that they've learned each some of the tendencies and of those things now can turn low make those tactical changes that are outside of the basics because they at least have an idea of where it where each other's are going to be in those particular moments, yeah. right? <clears throat> and so I think that was that's what we've been waiting for, right? Ultimately it was um yeah, whether or whether or not they were how how deep could they get into it given the amount of time they have to just learn the basics, you know, the basic tactic and the you know the basics in terms of just how to play with each other. And mm-hmm. I think, like I said, we're just about there. And like I said, I think for the other guys, whether it be Bale or Tail, right there, they're in a, such a defined role that it ultimately doesn't hurt you in the same way that it does. If your, your starting three in Vela, Arango and Buanga don't quite fit. Right. Whereas I honestly think this is probably your, your best front, your best combination. And then when you add the way that Ilya Acosta, you know, and Sifu play as well together, it, it, again, there's, it's hard, it's hard to look at it and say, okay, this is what's still missing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, and especially if Sifu really starts to figure it all out too. Right. Where it's like, I think he's still, he's, he's that one last piece that still hasn't quite figured out where to fit in with all the all the attacking power. Yeah. Right? Because I think he was the he's been over the last couple of years, he's been used to having to be the one that's shouldered quite a bit of that load. I mean, he was a big part of their resurgence in June after that little slump in May, right? He that's when he went on his scoring and assist tear mm-hmm. where he looked like one of the best midfielders in the league all of a sudden. Absolutely. Um, but that's that's with Vela and Arango and on Poku, right? I think we'll start yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah, you're not you're you're not really expecting a Poku to give you all that much there. So that's there. But now when you have three guys that are going to do the you know, the majority of the lifting. Yeah. I think he's kind of the weird in a weird sense, like the odd man out. Mm. You know, so with in, in the attack. And so it's just trying to I think for him it's trying to figure out, okay. How do I not crowd everyone, and where can I still make an impact? Yeah, right? yeah, <coughs> yeah. So, despite despite what we talked about and the midfielders flipping back and and covering for the fullbacks, uh, there were still some trouble in just like creating good chances from, for lack of a better term, a half court offense to borrow a basketball term. Um, what I was seeing a lot is the fullbacks getting forward, especially Hollingshead. I, I thought Palacios had a harder time getting forward on his side, but Hollingshead getting forward, and then it's just him and Vela, right? And there's nobody, and this is a, again goes to Sifu's game, um, where he just wasn't nearly as effective as we need him to be in combination. You really just need that third player to get forward and and help out. 
there on that right wing. Yeah. So you can I mean, change up can, Didn't position. we see Acosta a few games ago switch with Sifu on that side? Yeah, yeah, we did. And he switched back a little bit. I mean, you know, strange enough, like Acosta is the one that ends up creating, you know, the chance for Vela on that first goal. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like that's a switch that could be made. Maybe it's too much for Sifu to play off that. It's not as comfortable for him. But man, Acosta really looked good in combination with with Vela and Hollingshead. Yeah. And I feel like they just take so much better care of the ball. Yeah. You know, and then Ilya is able to pop into that mix a couple times. And then because of the way that both Buanga and Chicho can play, you kind of have two guys that are going to make, you know, be a threat heading towards the goal after, as those guys build up. You know, so it's yeah, like, I mean, that could be that could be what you're trying to do is use Sifu's ability to drive the ball forward to complement Vela, who's not going to do that as much anymore. Use Acosta's a bit more of a playmaker on that side with Boanga. Uh, one other thing that I that I didn't really get a chance to watch for all that much in my initial watch was it how how Portland was using Diego Chara to to work against the midfield. If they are just shadowing. See if anytime he's in a certain zone with Char, then it's like he was bound to have a bad day uh, in possession. So that that could be a, a factor too. Um, I just didn't watch closely enough to that specific detail to know. Yeah, um, I mean, as always, I think especially in Portland formation, right? It seems like he's always just there to kind of just start picking at people's heels. Yeah, yeah. You know, as yeah. the ball gets played through, right? Yeah. So, so uh, eventually. We do have a, I mean, just a tiny bit more possession, right? They build down the right flank. Cross comes in uh, over the top. Palacios is able to is able to get on the end of it. Holds play. Acosta comes forward, uh, and then it's Palacios to Acosta. Quick little switch over to to Carlos Vela, and uh, I don't know what Portland is doing, not taking away his left foot immediately. I don't know how Carlos still gets any look like this in this league. Um, but I'm glad that they didn't because, uh, he kind of double clutches and then pulls the trigger and it's a curler, uh, vintage Carlos Vela goal, uh, right around the keeper and we're off and running one nil. Um, I think that was right before halftime. Yeah. That they, that they scored that goal. No, just after, just after. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like I say, I think. That's where the luxury of having guys like Buanga and Arango really come into your favor, right? It's like when it was Rodriguez, I felt like the center backs were com- were comfortable taking on Chicho on their own, so it allows Char, Char to come down and and start helping out on Vela and do his yeah. thing. Versus when Chicho's running across the face of goal and Buanga is lurking on that other side as well. Or Carl, or you know, Carlos Vela has been more than willing to make that switch to Buanga and let, or 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 Palacios and let them, you know, create off that left hand side. It, I feel like you're in a situation where the it's just hard to now, you know, even for a team like Portland that's generally going to bunker in, like you're just asking for trouble when you when you start to overplay any of those positions, right? And so I think they get caught in the in a situation where it's like, I I don't know if I can commit here. You know, both I think like the center back and the defensive midfielder, you know, get to a point where they I'm not sure they they felt like they could commit to the forward because of what was on the opposite side of it, and then Vela just has that given that split second, and then it's over. Right, right. If you give him that right. time, he's going to make you pay. So, yeah, I and again, I think it's just a, there's definitely a combination of things, but I think that definitely has something to do with it in terms of the the way that those other three guys are playing. You can't you can't cheat. Yeah. Yeah. So uh LFC score and Portland then have to like this is Portland season on the line, right? Uh they have to do something. Um so they start really pushing forward, start to grow into the game more and more and it's at this point where you start looking around, you're like, okay, like they're targeting a few things. Our midfield is tired. Sifu's ineffective on defense. Like you're going to need, you're going to need some subs here. It was around minute 65 that you really started to see that you need the subs. Carlos isn't getting back on defense. Um, so you just assume that you can throw out Latif and, and Apoku 
to, to fill in for those two spots. Um, that does happen. And within like a minute and a half of the sub Portland scores, right? I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why Charendola waited so long, but it was very clear that he was waiting to see what Portland was going to do. To me, it's kind of like, you know, exactly what they're going to do. They're going to push this thing as hard as possible because they like in order for a better seating in the, in the playoffs, they're going to, they need goals. Right. So I'm not exactly sure why he waited so long. Turns out, you know, as soon as he makes a sub, they score. Um, a lot to be said about this goal that they do score. The ball switched over to, I don't know which Portland attacker don't really care. Uh, but Opoku closes this down so slowly. Uh, it's really inexcusable how slowly he is a sub and especially one of the youngest, fastest guys on the team known for his pressing it's inexcusable that he closes this down so slowly and doesn't even make an attempt to block the cross. It's not good from Segura and Mario either, who don't put in a challenge on the ball that comes in that Espria uh, gets ahead to. But the f- I, I, I just can't, I've watched that clip so many times now and I just can't get over how slowly Opoku rotates over. I'm not sure what's going through his head at that point. I mean, probably nothing. <laughs> <laughs> In in the sense that like, I feel like it's just it to me it just looked like he those situations where he knew what he was supposed to be doing he just didn't do it. Maybe it doesn't register like, hey, this is a dangerous situation. Right? Yeah, like yeah. you know, because again, you could see the, you know LAC's trying to kind of pull things, but you know, up one like they were trying to pull back. They're trying to kind of just kill it off or whatever, you know, and stay in a deeper block. Um, you know, again, but it just didn't seem like, you know, up one, it didn't seem like there was, they had, he had the same sense of urgency, if anything, you know, so I don't know. I, I it's like one of those things where it's like, I don't, I don't think he overplayed anything. I think he just, un, just didn't play in that part. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably thinking, ah, it's just a header. Like they're going to send in a cross, whatever. It's not that yeah. important, but I mean, it goes to show you like, so typically on a cross like this, it is the winger or the fullback's job to get there and, and deny the cross at its at its origin yeah so mm-hmm. i mean i guess an argument could be made i'd have to go back and watch but it's clearly opoku's job because he's the only one rotating over uh holling said is occupied with something else at the at the at the time i would assume but um yeah somebody's got to block that cross from or at least put an attempt on it right because then you can maybe uh decrease the accuracy i mean he dropped it right on Aspria's head um, and of course, Espria does this like nice little move. He's right on uh, Mario's shoulder, jumps off of him, and then comes back in between the two center backs. And Mario and Segura are just kind of left looking at each other, like, "All right, what, what now?" Yeah. Um, and from then on out, it's kind of like, "Dude, are, is this is LAFC gonna let this happen? Is this it? Is this how it ends?" There's a there's a shout for a for a penalty via VAR. Um, it's close. It's close to a foul. But to give a red or a penalty through VAR at that point, it'd be, it would be harsh. It would be harsh. I don't think... Uh, who, is it Bravo that gets a... He like puts a hand up on Opoku. Opoku... I don't think Opoku's making a meal of this. I think he legitimately falls. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's it right there is, you know, like... You made contact and made this defender fall, so ergo penalty, right? Or I mean, red Ismail, card because it's dog so. Elfath but, con- continues to prove that he's just terrible. Yeah, like, yeah. My thing is, is like if you get called over and you're going to take that much time, you gotta, like you can't, you can't let the moment get to you, and that's what it. Felt yeah, like more yeah. Than anything. Right. I think I do. I do think that's a factor here. Right. I don't want to award a stoppage penalty or I or whatever. I, I guess it wasn't even stoppage yet. I, I can't remember what minute this was, but I don't want to award a late penalty that allows LAFC to clinch this border shield or puts Portland down. Right. Um, At home. Yeah. Know, all those yeah. Different things, you know, like, yeah. so that's why it's like, again, like the, I think the most frustrating thing, you know, and this is true probably with most referees. But with pro referees, especially, right, is that there's zero consistency as, yeah, as to what yeah. you're gonna get, 
right? And at least there's things like in the NBA where they have like, okay, this is a rule of point of emphasis for this particular year. We're not going to let you double dribble or take 17 Mm -hmm. steps when you're doing X, Y, or Z or whatever it may be. I I feel like I would like to see a little bit more of that from from pro Um, and just up to consistency where it's okay when – you know, even if, but because especially when it just comes to the review, right? Like everyone's gonna view a game differently, but when it comes to how these situations come down, like I don't know, I, either that or I want it. I want far more transparency. I want it to be like rugby. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where, I, I would. I would love for them to have to come out and explain these better. Yeah. I like. I know they have meetings. Yeah. Right. Um. I know they have meetings where they say like, "Hey, you got this one wrong." But I would love to see the results of those meetings a little more. Or like, for sure. I mean, the, NBA, the, the, the NFL NBA will send letters, like, right? Oh, sorry, yeah. we got this wrong. This one wrong. Which again is not that satisfying in the long run, right? The one that I really like, I'm telling you, is just having the refs mic'd up at all times, like in rugby. Right, right, <laughs> right. Where yeah. like, like, let me let me hear why you made that call. Yep. Right, and and if that was your thought process, so be it. I may yeah. disagree with that process, but at least we know it wasn't one of these situations where they the the VIR told you to to come over. Says, "Hey, this is pretty clear," and you're like, "Well, I don't want to make that decision in this moment." Right? You know, like right. I think I think you would have a lot less of you know those types of the influence of those types of things if you know that your your whatever you're saying is going to be yeah held to yeah. account at all times. No, I agree. Kind of I agree, but. <laughs> it's kind of like all those MLS things that we complain about. It's all baked in, man. It's yeah. all baked into the product. And as frustrated as we are about the way this league operates, like that's just one of those other things, even though it's not MLS specific. It's yeah. Like, I mean, it's truly learned from the NBA and, and the NFL in the sense that, right. It's like, it it's because it's clear that it's a business. There's business decisions that are made even from a refereeing yeah, yeah. standpoint, yeah. right? Which is sometimes a tough pill to swallow because it's not as pure as we would love to think. Yeah. All right. So game continues. And I mean, at this point, I'm kind of resigned to the fact like, well, we're going into the last game of the season. They need, they're going to need a win again. Like this is, or I don't, I don't know when Philly plays, if they, if there's a potential for them to lose and LAFC still clinch before they step foot on for uh, on the field for against Nashville. But I'm thinking like LAFC is going to need another result against Nashville and we're going to just have to postpone this thing another week. And here comes Dennis Boanga, Denny Boanga, excuse me, uh, flying down the left wing does two or three defenders. Diego Char tries to, tries to come back and then ends up not putting in a challenge. And he's able to slot it home through a defender's legs and are still around the keeper. Um, an incredible run from him. Uh, the amount of determination and ability to get through all those defenders uh, is noteworthy. And then this finish through the legs, uh, not sure if it's on purpose, not sure if the original shot is even technically on target. Don't know, don't care. Uh, it's kind of tough to see from the angle you see it at too. Like I, as the ball, like the ball kind of disappears for a second and then all of a sudden it pops up at the back of the net and, Boom, 96 minutes. Like his first goal after we've waited and he's come so close at so many times on on goals for LAFC. And it's the one that wins the shield. It's this incredible moment um, where it's not only a personal release from him, but it's like this release for the entire team. Like we got, we we did it. Like it's in the bag at this point. Well, I think the, it's, the funny thing is it's, it's the moment that we we were all still waiting for from Brian Rodriguez. Yeah. Over the course of yeah. you know, his entire time there. Mm-hmm. And in the moment that you needed it the most from Denny Buanka, he delivered. Right. Yeah. And that and and we that that DP for the longest time for LAFC has always fallen short in that moment, whether it was Andre Orta with the back pass against the Galaxy, right? Um, you know, or whatever it may be, you know, or, or, you know, again, 
the the entirety of Rodriguez's career where you just need him to be that guy who puts you over the top. Mm-hmm. Buanga is the real deal, man. And I think we've, when we've, from the the second that you and I sat down together, you know, in your living room um, and we watched him play in that game, he, both of us were like, dude, this guy f- jumps off the page. Yeah. Right. Because we yeah. didn't. We I, don't, I believe the his first couple games we didn't really get a chance to. Mm-hmm. I don't even think we recorded at that time. But the one we sat down. I mean, we didn't record after that time either because I was I was traveling. Um, but I think after that moment where we got to both kind of see what he brought to the table, you know, um, the comments from our wives about how good looking he's notwithstanding, um, <laughs> the. You know, it's just really interesting to see it kind of come together, you know, finally come together, you know, in the perfect moment for for the team and for the fans. And, you know, I said, I'm excited to see what that looks like moving forward, because in my eyes, he was brought in to be that next guy that, right, that is your quote unquote Carlos Vela replacement in a weird way. Yeah. Right. I think he's in his age, his age profile, all these different things. He's definitely meant to be that next guy and, and for the team to be built around him moving forward. But I think for him to be able to do what he's doing without the spotlight being fully on him, with it still and him having to still share it with everyone else bodes really well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's it. They win. Supporter shield is, is theirs. Um, now it's on to MLS Cup. Anything else you want to get to before we do uh, listener questions here? Nah, man. Enjoy it, everyone. Enjoy the yeah. thrill of victory and everything that's come along with it. All right. First one is from Juan Pablo Hernandez at Wonderful. Boanga might not score goals like we want him to, but when he does, they win a silverware. Better showing for team overall in a playoff-type match and setting definitely a boost in confidence. This is an important point that this is exactly what you're going to see in the playoffs, right? cynical anti-football um it's going to be tough to score against teams because they're going to pack it in and they're not going to want to play open against against a team like lafc and they're going to be dangerous on the counter still because mm-hmm. they're going to have very calculated ways on how they're going to attack right and they're going to try those things over and over and over again switch over the top cross in behind and we saw portland try it several times they got it off once but sometimes that's all you need in the playoffs right and you 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 grind your way to a to a penalty shootout and then that's how you advance so yeah but it feels like this team you know like in previous previous teams we've seen right get hit with that one goal early in the game and then just completely fall apart yeah this team feels like oh you got the one okay i'm gonna i'm gonna send about a hundred million dollars worth of attacking power (laughs) your way that's fair. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's a replica of the US government at this point. <laughs> Just throw money at it. It's yep. eventually going to it's eventually going to work. Justin 33W. Uh Denny etching his name into our history books. Incredible talent and incredible solo effort. Kawabonga dudes. Sunday is going to be a party. Yeah, I, that's going to be a great uh Walker Zimmerman homecoming, lifting the shield. Uh it's you know, final game of the season at home. It's going to be, it's going to be a great one. Uh, I hope everybody enjoys it. Mm -hmm. All right. Corey at, we don't post ever playoff predictions. Josh, I'm bowing out of this. I don't want any bad juju coming from this podcast, but we're, we're, we'll leave that one for later. I mean, we'll do, I think I said, I've, I do think there's implications that come from this one, right? And and what it looks like yeah. in the long run, you know. And so I think rather than a, a prediction, right? It's more of okay, given given the situation, it looks like we're going to end up seeing the winner of Galaxy Nashville. Oof, because Austin Austin here. plays Minnesota in the first round. Dallas plays Port. Or no, Austin. I think there can be a lot of movement. I think people. I mean, if it if it finishes the way that it does, obviously, I think decision day. I think still has yeah. a couple things because I think even Salt Lake is on the outside looking in. They they're at forty four points. Minnesota's at forty five. Yeah. <coughs> so there's clearly, and the Galaxy at, in fourth are at forty seven. So if a bunch of teams lose, 
you could see a huge shift in things. Yeah, the, yeah. the top three are relatively set at this point in mm-hmm. Dallas, Austin, and and LAFC. Um, but I think you could probably see, yeah, because right now it's Galaxy versus Nashville in the first round, Dallas, Portland, and Austin, Minnesota would be yeah. how that first run. And then I think Austin would play the win. 2-7 plays the winner of 3-6. And then LAFC would play the winner of 4-5. Yeah. Right. So again, like there's a lot that could happen, obviously, and we'll see how it ultimately ends up panning out. But I think for the sake of this show, um, you know, again, and, and football, what's the word? Superstitions notwithstanding, right? We'll, we'll wait till... Um, We'll probably wait a little bit longer until after after the the full field has been set before we can really, you know, dive into that one. Yep, no bet. La Banda Popular, uh, second trophy in club history. There's always room for improvement, but this is a day LAFC fans should savor. Good performance too, considering opponent and circumstances. Now have momentum and home field advantage across the playoffs. Can treat Nashville as a tune-up and celebration. Yeah, I, like I think you run them out sixty minutes. You start making subs. Um, yeah, and you just have a party, wait two weeks to see who you're going to play, and yep. go from there. Because I think you you still want them to get that f- that field time together, and the rotation, you know, continue to lock down that playoff rotation, um, you know, in the same way you would see in the NBA where you tighten the rotation from from twelve to eight, right? I think you're going to continue yeah. to see, you know, what what the best eleven and then the the particular substitution patterns to really start the you know, this is where they're going to tinker with it a little bit, but I think for the most part, they've made the decision and they're going to kind of continue to ride that as we head into the rest of the. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've got, I think you have two forwards that you're going to sub in and out, right. You'll, you'll bring in bail and a Poku, right. Depending on game state, you'll bring it. I mean, like yesterday you saw a Poku come in to try and kill it off. And then as soon as they scored, you put bail and tail back in or in, excuse me, because, now you need more offense. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things that, uh, I think you probably got, I guess, six forwards that they're going to rely on. You have four midfielders that you're going to rely on. Latif will be the only substitute midfielder that gets any significant minutes. I would assume unless yeah. God forbid there's an injury. Um, you got your right back in Hollingshead because I don't know when Escobar is coming back or what's going on there. Palacios is going to play every minute of every game. And then, Segura, Chiellini, and, and Mario split it somehow. Hopefully, Chiellini can go uh, at least 60 in every game uh, since we're playing on grass every game at least. so Yeah, and at home too, right? So I think that, yeah, yeah. that also will factor in as well. Plenty of rest, plenty of recovery, no travel time. Yeah. All right, next one, JP Marquez, 20. Uh, this game showed us showed we can win. We can find ways to win and play under pressure. We need, to, we need that to win the cup. But Dolo needs to make subs a bit sooner. Playoffs uh, are about game management. I don't disagree. Again, I thought the subs came late. I don't know if making them earlier helps you to, like, helps a Poku to, like, get into a rhythm uh, a little bit earlier, and then the goal doesn't happen. I don't know. It's impossible to prove either way at this point. So it's kind of a moot point. But I do think, uh, I mean, he's been effective with the subs all year. So hopefully he's can he continues to be so throughout the playoffs yeah i think this is one i'm probably more more willing to give him the benefit of the doubt you know at least comparatively to a bob who you yeah have. yeah absolutely yeah so. all right mike oxmall at three deuce five deuce strong win definitely felt like a playoff match what i loved most is that towards the last 10 minutes the team really pushed to find the winner beating a team that's fighting for playoff contention at their home in front of a sold out stadium sheesh uh yeah i mean having to push for that goal and finding it and having it come at the feet of bawanga who's a guy that like you know is going to play a bunch of minutes like that is something that you would look to repeat right even though it's like this incredible individual effort uh, I would say it's something at least mildly repeatable because that guy's going to be on the field all the time. And we've seen him do that several times already, get into that spot. Well, and, and the sad thing is that the track record of LFC to this point in those in the same moment is to give up the goal, trying yeah. to chase 
chase the winner as opposed to yep. being able to find that winner. So yeah, like I said you like to see it. All right, uh, our friends at Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Uh, did Dolo just win Coach of the Year? Josh, I'll let you take first whack at this one. Cincinnati is in the playoffs. Whoever that coach is, the, the guy from, from Philly has got to win. As much as I love what Dolo has done, man, to go from two wooden spoons, I got... Uh, Three I, wooden I spoons. Yeah, it's hard for me to to give that to anyone other than the guy who saved that project. Yeah, I mean, I, I do I do think you are right that that deserves some credit. I, I think they have to make a deep, deep uh, cup run to to for that to happen with Cincy. Um, I think almost by default he does. Uh, I would love to see him get it. I don't know that this clinches it. I mean, I, obviously he's the best regular season coach, but I think... I think for LAFC to take that next step again, they've we've seen them win the shield. We saw them make that early run and to the point where they were just presumed to win this, the supporter shield and then come down to the wire and they actually need a little bit of help to get it yesterday. They needed Philly to lose. Right. Um, I think because it wasn't so convincing at the end, it might not happen. Um, but I mean, on paper, yes, uh, but that's not how these things work. And Philly made the, I mean, and Cincinnati made the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you that that story is as old as time. Like, how many times did Phil Jackson have the greatest team ever, and then it went to some random team, you know, to the guy from the team that was miserable the year before? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Phil Jackson, I think I plugged this book on the on the show before, but if you haven't read Eleven Rings, um which is his uh, autobiography. It is incredible. Everybody should read it. Um, okay. Uh, next one, at Danniness. Supporter Shield is greater than the MLS Cup. Uh, agreed. We already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, more, um, more important, less prestigious. Not necessarily deservedly so. But. That's probably the best way to put it. What's that? Sorry. I said that's the best way to prop- to properly describe how this works. Uh, tragically, yes. Tragically, yes. All right. At E-Hate-1-Hate. Yikes. Uh, Boanga goes clutch an extra time for the shield. So, Kobe. Yeah. Yep. There it is. I mean, it's very much like Kobe when he goes like, well, it's like one for 15 and then hits the one that really matters. <laughs> Oh, jeez. We did see that a lot in the playoffs against Boston toward in that second half. Yeah, yeah. All right. Somber Amarath, this is how you win. Never put your head down. Yeah, it does speak to a certain level of determination within the team. Like, don't don't crumble as, team, as LAFC has in the past. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's Dolo, or do you think that's just personnel on the field? Yeah, I... I I think it's a little bit of both, right? Because I think Dolo's personality allows allows those guys to work it out yeah. in a way that you you were never going to be able to. You're never going to have that luxury under a bob. Yeah, yeah. All right, Tom Camilleri, I'm just going to sit over here being happy. You do it, my friend. Mm-hmm. You do it. Much deserved. Don't let Galaxy Twitter get you down. Tell them you can't support. You can't. Celebrated supporter shield. Christopher Colonna. Uh, job's not finished. Let's go get the cup. Yeah. I, the one thing that I love about all these interviews coming out is like, hey, we're not done. Like, this is awesome. And you can tell that they're thrilled. They're celebrating like mad. But it's it's not over. They're all they're all still pushing for the cup. Yeah. Like, it, it's always one of those things where you, you always want to just make sure that they're not. What, um, it's a saying that an assistant coach of mine would always do. He he gives a fork out every game, right? Instead of a game ball, mm-hmm. because his whole saying is that you don't you want um you're you want to eat, but you never you never want to be full, mm. right? So it's like when you when you eat soup, you eat soup with a fork, so you can stay hungry, right? And and I think <laughs> that's kind awesome. of where you want to kind of be in this moment, where it's like yeah 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 you you got that taste. Right, but it's just enough to keep you going, mm-hmm. you know, and hopefully that's how they take it moving forward. Yeah, 
That's awesome. I love that. All right. Donuts at Steely Zidane. Greatest goals in LAFC history. Four, Vela versus San Jose. Two or three, it should be. Brian versus Galaxy. Two, Rossi versus Leon. One, Pawanga versus Portland. I don't know who Brian is. Brian Rodriguez. I've just for completely oh, forgot. You, oh, you've blocked it out. Come yeah. on, I mean, you got to at least remember that. You, you got to give him credit for that goal, right? No, I I I, I like Andre Orta more than I do Brian Rodriguez. <sighs> oh, that man lost us a, a traffic code. That man set the like he and Tyler Miller are the ones responsible for the Galaxy curse. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm man. telling you, like Rough. Andre Orta felt like he just got caught in a, in a in a Bob whirlwind. Oh, he did. He was hard done. He right. Was hard Versus done. I, everything that's happened to Brian Rodriguez is fully under his own doing. And it, so, I, yeah. And, and the, I would the crazy just hold thing that about against that. Him. It's like LAC refused to sign another DP midfielder at this point. And I am convinced mm-hmm. that it's because the Orta deal went so poorly. Right. Yeah. They lost so much money on that deal and it just went up in flames in front of them. Um, yeah. But I mean, they, they so they, they spent what? They spent six or seven on them and sold them for four or two. Yeah. I don't even what, think it they was spent, that. I thought it was like two plus options, but yeah. But they sold. They bought Brian for eleven and yeah. sold him for what six? Yeah, I think they. I think they maintained fifty percent of his rights or something. But yeah, and you had to deal with him. They sent him to the one boat. club on the continent that's never going to move anybody. Is the problem? Yeah. So and then you have to, you know, and then like I said, and and we have to subject ourselves to him carrying a goat. You know, and all this stuff like that, man. That's what I'm saying. That's oh, I didn't even like, think about this. I didn't even think about the fact. What? Oh man, what are the like, Chivas fans going to think? When... I'm just saying, Andre Orta never did anything, any of that to me. <laughs> it was all Brian Rodriguez. He's oh, the only man. one that that like, like I said, yeah, you're sad that you lost the game, right? When Orta made that bad pass and never really panned out, but. Were you ever truly furious and annoyed every single like for weeks on end when when these transfer sagas were going on with Rodriguez? Like after a while, you're just like, no, just go away. No one wants you here. You know, like yeah, when I mean, when Orta left, we're like, yeah. I you know, I hope you go back and play really well in Europe so you can make us some money. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing with Orta is he was just benched, yeah, indefinitely, and Bob just never used him right. Um, where you still needed Brian to do things and you just never really got, you saw just enough, right? You had that fork. You saw just enough to give you the taste, but you could never Mm -hmm. be satisfied. All right. Uh, Next one is from John Morris at Wedge Game. This you, he says, and he's quote tweeting Bruno Oliveira saying, I see no difference between Boanga and Brian Rodriguez other other than their nationality. Uh, Uh Bruno Oliveira famously declared LAFC dead uh, after losing some preseason matches. Um, so no, it's not us. I can't tell if I, I think John is just trolling us or like trying to, trying to dunk on, on Bruno here. If, if that's the case, congratulations. If you're trying to dunk on us, then you must not listen to the show because yeah. Bruno has never been on the show. And he also referred to this, this last conversation I just had about Brian Rodriguez being my, my <laughs> most hated player in the history of the team. There you go. All right, last one at Yo-Yo Tori 66. Glad he scored when the team needed him to. Uh, really can't read much much else here. <laughs> uh, it, it won't make any sense if I cut out all the profanity. Essentially saying that, um, yeah, they still got to win the MLS Cup. That's about all I can get through here. So uh, we do agree with that. Job's not done. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Josh, we made it. We have Nashville to go, a little week off, see who we play, and then it's on to the Cup, and then to the World Cup. So quite a month and a half of soccer to go here. Absolutely. But again, as always, do enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey. Um, Like I said, I know it's hard at times to be able to see the forest through the trees, but I think, like you said, the, the Shield, winning the Shield again, right? and you look at the totality of the season and the ride it's been, um, Again, it's something is something to be proud of and something to look back on with, you know, and 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 be proud of, right? To be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh revel in it. Rub it in Galaxy's face. Do what you gotta do. 
this is a this is an important trophy. I don't care if we don't get to keep it in our trophy case. It doesn't matter. You won it. And LAFC is the best regular or best team in the league this year, right? Uh, we'll see who wins the tournament at the end of the year. Um, but for right now, LAFC is it. Went to uh, quote with our that, friend, the quarter friend from the defenders of the bank, right? It's the best in the West and the best in the MLS. Right, right. Shout out. All right. You can follow the show at counterpress underscore. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey. Josh. LAFC Josh on Twitter. We will talk to you all after the Nashville game. And uh, I hope you all enjoyed at the bank next week. Good night. Bank.